0: All right, welcome to the podcast, Dire Conversations, here with the very first guest
1: on the episode, Dave Willis. Thanks for coming on, man. I'm happy to be here. Honored to be the very first guest. Yeah,
0: well, you know, it's funny about
1: that because, and we're
0: going to bust his chops, I'm sure, a few times in this podcast, but when I originally was planning this... Right. So part of the podcast is being able to bring on guests to talk about ministry and the life experiences. Wait, wait. wait.
1: You're not going to tell me I wasn't your first choice, are you? Well, yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, it's not I you. I knew it was coming.
0: It's not you. It's me. So um, I originally had planned on EL coming on. But, you know, he's uh, Mr. Big Time. He's now. Big Time. Now. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Big time. He, he's Big Time. So
1: you got to, like, set him out way in advance oh yeah you can't you can't just call him up or anything like that text him yeah you got to go through the proper channels to get yeah. to the man
0: yeah so i called him
1: up a couple weeks ago and uh you know he don't answer my
0: phone calls no, anymore because no, 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 no. you know he's, just this little he's big time little nothing well anyways no i'm just kidding so um so he was like oh yeah i kind of august is crazy maybe september's maybe september but pushing it out towards october and i'm just like man too important for me
1: now man he only preaches like what every other week or something are you doing
0: <laughs> traveling
1: man oh that's right, right. you know he's that yeah that's right i forgot about that no we
0: love you I, el El's we love you man. if you're out there man listen we love you we love el jones he's a legend <laughs> he is well you know he's um he's my really good friend you're a really good friend Absolutely. he used to work with you down here at olivet he did i miss el yep which, by the way, so if, if people don't, clearly if people don't know who you are, Dave Willis here is the preacher at Olivet Christian Church. How long have you been here?
1: Wow. I do math now. I think it's something like 15 years. Wow. I feel like 25, 30 years, but I think it's 15. <laughs> <laughs> 15 years. So you guys, um, the place
0: we're in now mm-hmm. is, uh, what's the actual address? Because it's Maxwell Lane, 86
1: right? Maxwell Lane, Newport News, Virginia.
0: Okay. So 86 Maxwell Lane, Newport News. And you guys used to be...
1: Old Courthouse Way. fourteen four twenty five. Old Courthouse Way. Yeah. Now that's,
0: when I was originally coming down here, it was in, like when I Google mapped it, it was originally sending me, I was like, wait a second, no, Old Courthouse, like that's the old address. So I had to look it up online. Oh, wow. Yeah, redo it. Come on over here because I knew you guys moved. So how long, let's actually go back, right? So Dave Willis uh, goes to Bible College. Right? That's way back now. Way back. Way back. What It is Mid-Atlantic Christian University now. in North Carolina. It used to be... Roanoke Bible College. Back
1: in the day. Way back. That's right. <clears throat> so
0: you go there. What years were
1: you there? I was there 87 through 90s when I graduated. I had attended school locally here, so I only had to do three years to get my bachelor's. So Nice. Came out in 90, ended up back here on the peninsula out in York County, which is near here doing a little ministry over there in what's called Seaford. That's where I started. But you but you said uh,
0: not only MACU or RBC at that time, but you were at CNU, right? Was right. It I CNU? went to
1: Christopher Newport, started there, then transferred to MACU, came back up here. So it worked out that I finished my degree at CNU while I was working at a church over in New York County, and then ended up leaving there, ultimately starting a new church with uh, Dave McCants, another big-time guy. Another big-time big guy. Timer. That's right. And I work with a lot of big-time people, man. And, but anyway, uh, so <laughs> Dave and I did that along with some other good guys, and ultimately I ended up being a part of a merger with Olivet back around 05, 04, 05. Now your time at CNU, what was your degree in? My degree was in, in in sociology, which, as you probably know, is the most academically rigorous degree oh, yes. offered in Very college much so. and universities these days. So uh, not not just anybody can get a degree in that. I mean, you really have to be sort of... Upper echelon, and I, I was able to to pull that off.
0: Now, how was uh how was your time there? Being a conservative Christian man going yeah. to CNU and getting us, you know, generally sociology degrees are not the most conservative. No, sort of I would say like. they're on
1: the left, far yeah. left. I it was an eye opening experience because when I returned i had to uh in order to graduate i had to do a, a paper and then a presentation before the faculty of the mm-hmm. social work and sociology departments combined i was a little naive because i had been speaking pretty much to christians and in you know church settings sure and so i decided to do my paper on the topic of um the the detrimental impact to the family when a father is absent to me it just seemed sort of obvious yeah. now Looked at the data, put together my paper, delivered my paper, and um, the students who were in the room actually applauded me. It was, like, pretty cool. I sat down, like, everything was great. And you would have thought I was advocating for... um, instituting Nazism in the country. I mean, the <laughs> heads were exploding around the room. They were stunned that I was somehow thinking there was a difference between men and women, and I needed to go study this and that. And I don't know, somehow I graduated barely. But You can um, almost see the
0: foundations of kind of what's going on in our culture now yes. back then, right? Like even, Absolutely. I'm not saying you're
1: crazy old or anything. No, but, no, you but know, yeah, this, we're talking ago. the 90s. And for me, that was an eye-opening experience yeah. because I thought just logically, even the students in the room sort of believed, you know, embraced what I said. We're like, This is obvious, right? Isn't it best to have, you know, there are exceptions, but ideally, if you could have both parents in the home, Mm -hmm. you could look at all these, you know, things like deviance and crime and uh, teenage pregnancy, all of these things. They're associated, you know, usually with negative outcomes, but man, you would have thought. I don't know. They were uh they were not happy with me at all. Now, did they have any issue with the factual evidence that you presented? They never really addressed it. I kept trying to point back to the information, the evidence, mm. and uh they kept asking me, I guess they were alarmed that somehow, believe it or not, I thought there were like men and women and they were maybe different impacts in the family as a father and a sure. mother, although they, you know, obviously are complimentary. But uh, I don't know. It was they were so aghast at at that they couldn't even get into the evidence. Yeah,
0: so like the tagline of dire conversations here is examine the evidence, right? So like the the goal here is for Christians to have an open mind, to be able to examine evidence and, you know, uh, reconsider some of our views or maybe the way that we approach certain topics, mm-hmm. right? With the new evidence that we learn because as you know, I mean, we've been friends now for a long time. Um, you know, I'm I'm okay looking at the evidence, and then going, well, you know, how do, we, how do we take what we find in science, or in the social sciences, or these things, and then how does that harmonize with Christianity? Because it seems to me very clear that when you examine the evidence, just in uh, whether Christianity is valid or not, overwhelmingly, in my opinion, it's very clear Christianity is true. Sure. So therefore, when I come across something like this topic, you know, mm-hmm. well, I know what the Bible teaches, as far as the nuclear family, so then... I look in the sociological department and, you know, you examine the evidence, you go, Oh, imagine that. Like the evidence just from a strictly natural standpoint seems to point to the fact that a husband, a wife, a man, a woman raising a child or children is the best environment for a child, you know, socially, um, you know, emotionally, psychologically, all of it, you know? And, and like you said, when you point to the evidence, there's not a, a need or a desire to discuss that evidence. And, I mean, clearly, we're talking about one university at one point in time. You know, we don't know what Christopher Newport is now. We don't, we're don't. we not saying every sociological sure. department across the experience. country. Right. Yeah, just that one experience. You know, you can see where people do that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, and this is something I think that uh, Christians are learning or hopefully trying to learn right now, is that, you know, we need to not be like that. Right. Where we just go, this is what we've always said, this is what we've always believed. Like, we have to, and not not in a manipulative standpoint, but we have to, you know, be the sort of people who are willing to go, hey, look, bring the evidence. Like, mm-hmm. we're not scared of it.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: Christianity's true. Why why would we be scared of any evidence? We shouldn't be. No. We should be examining the evidence. Yeah, hey, there you go. <laughs> so, So you go through that. That was an eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. And you said that uh, you know you get your Bible college degree and you go start at
1: uh, what church? It was It's now called Seaford Christian Church. Okay. And uh, I went there. It was, it was kind of a, a slick maneuver. They had a, a an interim minister who knew me came down to Roanoke Bible College, which is probably about an hour and a half away, and said, hey, I want you to come be my youth minister. And I said, I don't want to be a youth minister. Mm-hmm. No intention of doing that. And he said, look, I'm going to be leaving soon. So you come and do this, and then... I'm going to leave and you'll be there. Mm -hmm. And to his credit, he actually would go back once a month and work in the children's area and let me preach. Wow! And then he left about the time I was graduating and boom, they hired me. So what do you think, like, because hopefully um, what I'm trying to do
0: here is get guys who have been experienced in ministry, to come on Mm -hmm. the podcast to talk about life and and ministry and things like that. And then younger guys who are either in Bible college thinking about going into ministry or maybe they're... 40 years old, and they're going, you know what, I've worked at whatever, UPS, you know, this whole time, Mm -hmm. maybe I can retire, maybe not, but I want to go into ministry, but, you know, one of the things that, and this is not a a criticism on Bible colleges, it's just a kind of a factual talk about it, is you don't get a lot of that wisdom training. You get a lot of the education behind theology and things like that, And, and probably some Bible colleges, I think, are getting better at this, but learning... You know, and probably the internships that they put the guys out on. You know, getting that practical wisdom from guys who've been there, done that. You know, learning from them. So my goal here with this podcast, not just with you, but in general, is to bring guys on, and then have an archive where guys who are wanting to go into ministry and don't have that experience can come back and listen and say,
1: "Wow, you know, like that'd be very helpful." I know know for myself. Um, there were a lot of things, obviously, I didn't know. Uh, I was a relatively new Christian, which mm-hmm. kind of compounded things because I didn't grow up in the church world. Yeah. And so I go off to Bible college, and I learn all this stuff theologically and scripturally, and you, know, you learn all how to study the Bible and hermeneutics and all that good stuff. And you come back, and you think, well, I'm going to go to a place, and we're going to be in the midst of a bunch of people who believe you know, the Bible is the Word of God. Clearly, It is authoritative. And so once we come to a conclusion of what Scripture says, we're all going to embrace it and then do that. And then you get into a church and you're like, wait a minute, Ooh. what's up? What's Negative. going on? This is what the Bible says, but oh, wait a minute. Yeah. And uh, I was that was uh, I was very naive with that. I thought once you just show people the Scripture, they'll just go, okay, we need to change. And, yeah.
0: And I even I even think about too just some of this stuff like okay, I learned um, like let's say the theology of of marriage, you know, right. and like you know, got to keep the marriage bed sacred, but. It's like as a minister, what do you do when you get that call at one o'clock in the morning from a wife who is crying her eyes out because her husband of 25 years and five kids just cheated on her and she just found him right. in bed with another woman and you're like, right. uh, I'm 25 years old. Right. Uh, I'm not married. I don't know what to do right now. Uh, read, read some
1: Psalms and we'll yeah. talk
0: later. Yeah, let's pray. <laughs> <laughs> so So how do you think? the concept of bringing a guy in to be like a youth minister if Mm -hmm. he's younger and then knowing that there's going to be a transition down the road. What do you think the pros and cons are to that?
1: I think ideally if you could do that um, with a plan and intent to sort of mentor someone and expose them to things would be ideal. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't happen that way a lot of times. You know, mine was sort of a strategic maneuver. I learned stuff on the fly You have to be flexible. You have to be centered and grounded. Things are popping in my head as you were talking. Things you just don't expect. I I remember, you know, like hospital calls. Like, what? what? Yeah. You know, I don't know what to do. do I go go to the hospital. I'm like, okay. So I have a friend of mine. He's preaching over in Hampton. You know, uh, and he says, hey, I'm out of town. Can you go up and see this family? They're going to a real bad spot right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm like 25. Sure, man. Yeah, whatever. So I rolled up there, and Billy, the guy, <laughs> how do we say this uh, plainly, he expires right there. He dies right yeah. there while I'm in the room. I don't even really know these people. And I'm like, Ooh, what do I do now? Yeah. And I remember the guy looked at me, one of the men in the room said, um, would, you, would you pray? And I'm like, uh, yeah. I mean, these are the things. Now, I've been in that setting many times now. But those are things you just, you, you have to almost live them. And it would be nice to be able to have some experience uh, in dealing with things. I'll tell people. you, one of the things that was like <clears throat> the
0: craziest moment for me was um, I go to hospital and I don't, like there wasn't anything crazy about it. It was like, hey, you know, she's, she's um, pregnant. She's going to be g- going into labor a little bit early. So, you know, go there, be with the family, whatever, you know, pray with them. So I show up. And they're like, you know, hey, you know, the the pregnancy didn't, it was bad. Like, you know, like she lost a child. Mm. And and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. So I'm like preparing myself. Like, how do I walk into this room? Like, these people aren't even really, they don't go to church, really. It's like a family member of a person who goes to church. So I'm like, man, I really like, so I'm like prepping myself, right? I get completely blindsided. I walk in the room. She's holding the baby. What? It, dude, you want to talk about like,
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like,
0: oh my gosh, moment because <sighs> I'd never seen that. You know, I'm like 27, sure. 29. Years. I don't even remember how old I was, but I was late 20s. And, you know, evidently that's a thing. It's like a coping <sighs> thing.
1: Absolutely. You know, yeah. for,
0: for the family, uh, just to kind of have that like um, closure. But you're not expecting that, right? You're not no, prepared for that. No. Like, okay, what it, do I do now? This yeah. And it's like, horrible. oh, I mean, what an intimate moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know these people. And what am I doing here? Like what? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Just so, just things like that, you know, and mm-hmm. being able to have like you know, you come into a church and and maybe your first year you're going to those calls with an experienced minister, right? And you don't have to be that guy.
1: And just hearing some of the things like the other people experience, you know, I, I those are the things I remember. Yeah, which is crazy because that same time I visited that family um, from my friend's church. I was going there because there was a family from our church that was, uh, they were having a baby. So I literally got, uh, left that room, got on elevator, went up a couple floors to where the baby delivery play- area was and saw a family. For me, it was like, I was like the book of Ecclesiastes happening. Yeah. It was like, you know, what? this one's gone and here's a new one, a couple... St- floors up, you know, and I'm like, down here's grief and over here's joy. Amazing. And I'm like, what is happening today? You know, it's like, I just walked out of this one room where I'm just like, I don't know what, if I even prayed anything that made sense. I'm walking in the next room. I was like, whoa, baby. And I was so excited. I remember walking back to my car just like, I'll never forget this. And I haven't. I was like, yeah, five years ago. I mean, what an emotional roller coaster that is. It was unbelievable. You know?
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Is you are uh, you learn a lot. You know the OJT, you know on the job training, because you just don't know what to expect. You think, and then uh, for me, uh, I was kind of taken back by just some people's. Uh, you think, okay, we're all Christians here. We're all going to beha- behave a certain way. You see some of the flesh getting riled up, man. Bro. Listen to me, man. I know
0: exactly what you're talking about. I just um, I was just telling some people the other day, kind of about my experience at the first church I, you know, ministered Mm -hmm. at up in Maryland. Yeah, I highly recommended you.
1: Yeah, right. And I was like, you (laughs) know, I don't,
0: I don't regret going there at all. Like I would do it again. You know, and uh, gosh, I wish I had some, some more experience before I went in there. But the same thing, man. I was like shocked, Mm -hmm. shocked at the, the way people acted. You know, and it's like I like I look back on it now, and I'm like, man, I could totally understand why people like leave church, and are just like, I don't want to go back to church. You know, church, you know. And I'm not saying clearly that's not indicative of all right. churches. Like I've been in fantastic churches. Sure. Yeah. you know, like my time I spent down here at Olivet, I didn't have any issues here. Yeah. I mean, was there a little drama and stuff? Clearly, because there's always people, and people bring drama, right? right. But it was nowhere near. Like my time down here was a great time. I actually. Consider and I'm not going to get into this whole backstory, but, you know, my time in Olivet was kind of my almost healing time of coming back into a, a more traditional church. And I don't mean like traditional in your methodology, but traditional, you meet in a building, you come on Sunday morning, because, you know, I was helping out at a house church. Right. And there was, you know, sure. other drama going on there. So it was my kind of re-engagement of like, okay, you know, like churches aren't all bad, there's good people, you know, mm-hmm. and there's people who love the Lord, and I, you know, I shouldn't be so judgmental and all that sort of stuff, right? So then when I go up to Maryland, and it's just like, again, man, blindsided,
1: mm. you know, about the people, because you're like, what are y'all doing? Like- you guys did have some good food there, though, because when we visited that Sunday, uh, my son was really excited. Did we do the man I, cakes that Sunday? I think there were like muffins and cookies and stuff. I mean, it's hard oh, for me to get him in, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, back. He was out in the hallway, like, <laughs> he's so, down. So that's what we did. We had that big, we had that big foyer,
0: right? Yeah. And, uh, and it was a great, like, for us it was a really good healing moment because the the older minister who was there like was kind of against that concept, mm-hmm. you know? And then once he was gone, the church was like, okay, can we finally do this? Like he was like the linchpin holding right. it back, you know? No eating. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so then like we did it and it was like, yeah, the morale just shot up, man. And, you know, crazy. so we had the coffee, the donuts, and we had a pretty big four-year area, so... People always brought stuff, you know, and we got the donations from, like, Panera Bagels and
1: all
0: all these things, and and, uh, it was a great time. And so, like you said, like, when people come and, you know, the kids are like, oh, this is fantastic.
1: I I remember being maybe of a similar mindset as the the older minister there. Way back when I was at Christ Church, we had this big... it's like a grocery store we were renting. It was yeah. empty, which is huge, by the way. Yeah, we had this area, and somebody brought some, you know, kind of donuts or something one Sunday. And then over time, it started turning into like a breakfast buffet. People were bringing food, <laughs> yeah. and for whatever reason, somehow in my head, I'm like, "This is bad." People are just showing up for breakfast, and I was like, I had to step back. and I'm like, They're just here to eat, you know. And it's like, how many times do people eat in the Bible? I mean, yeah. like they fellowshipping together. What's wrong with it? Why can't we get together and eat? I'm like. Why do we need to usher in and usher out like this is a movie theater or something? Yeah. And it, you know, sometimes I, I'm been guilty of that myself. where I have to step back and, you know, examine the evidence. What, what is there something here that's anti-scriptural? I'm like, well, actually, uh, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, right? Why? What's wrong with this? This isn't like they're not going. We're only going to eat. We're not going to, you know, do anything else. It's like, no, it, it was it was really awesome. And then I I went to visit a church a, a, um, not too long ago. It was. Um, it was a primarily Korean church, and they'd invited me to. Nice. And uh, it was, they were going to try to use our old building. A long backstory, not relevant. But I go, and uh, I, thought, I saw something really cool there. We went in, for me as a sociologist, to see the dynamic of, of different generations through immigration mm-hmm. and, and to see what was happening in the church. you went In the foyer area, it was a big area, and there was a young guy with a guitar, and they were all singing kind of modern praise songs, a lot of young people you walk through a door into a very traditional, what they would call like a sanctuary, yeah. and uh, everybody was dressed up. And it was very formal. It was all in Korean, and it was all old hymns. And I'm like, what's the dynamic going on here? But here's what I want to point out. I just thought generationally, it was like, out here we're singing in English. yeah, And then in here, it's all in Korean. And here, it's all traditional and dressed up. And out here, it's all casual. And, and, but when it was over, the cool thing was, they all came together for a big meal. And wow. so I thought, was this like homecoming? Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's not on the calendar. It's not a big day. What's going on? They said, no, we do this every Sunday. Nice. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, you couldn't do this at our. I mean, everybody's got to get home for football, I guess, it, yeah, not sure, now, right now, right? And they all just sat around, multi generational. People are translating for me and introducing me to people. We're all hanging out, eating some unbelievably good food. I don't even know what I was eating. But it was all good. Yeah. And like, this is really cool, man, to see this. This is part that we miss this, this familial aspect mm-hmm. where it's like, Multi generational family together. They had their differences, but they all ate together.
0: What a what a great testimony! Because like as you were talking, it kind of reminds me of you know when we study about early church history, we know that you know a lot of them met in houses, right? Right. And they had that big agape feast. It was most likely, uh, or not most likely, but it was it was mostly on Sunday nights because a lot of the early Christians were slaves in the Roman Empire, so they meet on Sunday nights, and you know they're having meals together, and so they're eating. Literally eating in church, Mm -hmm. you know, as they're bringing out then communion and stuff like that. And so you said you kind of had to have um, like a detached moment. Right. And, uh, man, that's such an important concept uh, for anybody who's a leader in the church is you're always going to have your pet peeves, right? You're going to have things that you like, you don't like, things that you think this shouldn't happen, this absolutely should happen. And it's so important to have those detached moments to say, what is like, what am I fighting Right. Is this about me getting what I want, or is this about me promoting what's best for the kingdom, right. right? So, like, a good leader has those attached moments and is able to say, all right, what are the battles worth fighting? Because mm-hmm. if you fight— Good practical wisdom. Yeah.
1: Man, if you fight every battle in the church, bro— yeah, you know, I see it all the time, just dumb stuff. People get yeah. entrenched, they get on a the side, then they argue, and then they can't give because they don't want to look wrong, and they want to save face, and we all, then we end up arguing and get over the dumb stuff. I you remember um, there was this old guy
0: at, up at uh, Severn, right? And um, man, him and his wife were fantastic people, though. Like, he was one of those guys that, you know, grew up in the church. He's like 90 years old, you know, but he's still coming into church, you know, right. on every Sunday, and... Him and his wife are there, and he's like super, like they sit a seat apart. And I never really asked him about that, but some people kind of talked about like that's him. Basically, their tradition is when we come to church, we come to worship. Hmm. So, like, we're focused on Jesus, not focused on each other. Right, right wrong, and different. That's cool, that's right? So, he, I would go down to, they live in a really nice retirement community. I go down there and have lunch with them every couple months, six months, or something, and super down to earth people. What do you think about this? This guy's 90 years old. Think about what church was like back when he was in his heyday. Right. Super different than it is now. And he he was an elder in multiple churches because he moved uh, in the country four or five times in his life. I forget what his job was. But, you know, so, I mean, he's an elder in multiple different churches. And, you know, he's been through everything, if you think about it, in a church. I mean, he's been in church for, like, his whole life. And I remember at one point uh, talking to him about something and him basically saying, like, well, that's not something that I would want or that I would like or I would promote or blah, blah, blah. blah. But he's like, whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, like kind of of like that thing. Like he's like, it's not really a battle worth fighting. Like who who cares? Like, yeah, sure. It's not something that I'm like totally for, but how, you know, how fantastic of a mindset, what a mature mindset. That's
1: that's what we all need. I mean, I think that idea of being able to distinguish between your preference, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a lot of it. In, yeah. you know in biblical non-negotiables and a lot yes. of the stuff we're doing it's really preferential you know and uh, i have i have mine and i have to i had to write a uh, your ideal kind of gathering on sunday what it would be like for mm. this group i was participating in several years ago and everybody had to sing this kind of song and this kind of music and mine was primarily like people together eating talking you know having scripture and and then you know talking maybe in a smaller groups about the scripture and how we could live it out and just doing we don't do that on Sunday morning yeah. practically it just doesn't happen that way but I tell people here and I mean it they think I'm just joking but we don't do things the way I want to do it I'm not the emperor I don't go well we're going to sing it you know this and we're going to do that I'd kind of do my part and you know we have to kind of we have to collaborate because in a church like this I mean we have a lot of different people and the age range and background is, is varied. And uh I always tell I tell folks here, I've said I use it, the 80-20 rule, you know, I'm like, um, don't try to be something you're not, right? Eighty percent is this kind of our core. This is what we do. And twenty percent is where we kind of, you know, maybe try this kind of song, it's a little different type musically than maybe what we normally do. Yeah. But let's not flip this, you know, script and do everything differently, because that's a little too much. But let's use that that 20% to kind of you know, work, work the edges a little bit, see what happens there. I, I have, I knew a guy up
0: in uh, Maryland. He was at, like, he was like a minister at the church down the road. And, you know, it was a little bit more of a liberal church, but they were still within, you know, the, the yeah. Christian Church, Church of Christ, whatever, like, for whatever that's worth. He was a nice dude. And we met a few times and, and tried to think about how we could do, like, ministry uh, stuff together. And I remember him uh, kind of talking about that a little bit, where he was like, you know, what I always tell my people is, like, hey, we're going to experiment with this. He goes, that way, if we do it and it's not really good, I can just be like, oh, yeah, we were just experimenting. And then we scrap it rather than yeah. like, hey, this is the new thing the church is it's all very about. very smart.
1: We do that. Let's just test this for a while and see yeah. what
0: happens. So what are some things then uh, that you as a minister have experienced, like things that churches have tried and have just like not, not
1: worked? Uh, you know, I did. I'm like kind of one of those guys. I get a little black and white sometimes and everything. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And so I had this moment. I think I was kind of, everybody has nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And even in a short period of time, you can acquire this, this longing for five years ago. And I really liked what we would have been doing at this new church plant. And then i get in an established church, so it was different. The new church plant was uh, very contemporary musically, very casual dress, very doctrinally conservative, but very progressive as far as methodology. So then i go to a church, this church at the time, I think would probably not as conservative doctrinally, but definitely more conservative methodologically. <laughs> and so one Sunday I decided to blow everything up, you know, because... Again, not smart, but I was like, "Let's do, let's do it differently." So, I, my preference is I don't like people walking around and holding an offering plate in front of people. Yeah, and we had bags, which I just didn't even like the bags. Yeah, so I'm gonna go up to some guy and put a bag in his face. I'm like, "Who does this?" Yeah. like. So we're getting rid of that. We're going to put boxes out in the hallway. And then I'm like, you know, I like communion where we get up and take it ourselves. And that way we don't have people going, what do I do with this? And was do this I a, do it this was at Olivet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: I was there at that time when yeah. we did the... Uh, Shook it
1: all up, man, yeah. right? So I was like, we're getting rid of all this. We're going to do everything differently. And so, like, a, I don't know, maybe a few weeks in, somebody, you know how they do it. You complain to one... One person complains to 10 people, and then they say a lot of people don't like this. Because oh, they don't want to say anything. They just Listen. And then they go tell some, you know, by in leadership, "Well, I think a lot of people don't like that. You know, and it was one of those so in my still I like to blame it on youth. I wasn't that young. The next like whatever that happened and that came to my attention, I just went and put everything back the way it was. <laughs> it was yeah. like it never happened. It was like, just, you know, a what? Test. forget this, man. But uh, yeah, I it's like I think maybe it was too much at one time and, you yeah. know, wisdom says you kind of work things gradually, but I kind of do it all or nothing. So, so
0: here's one, here's one thing that I um, and I probably didn't do it the most tactfully. Right. But I remember being in, in certain leadership meetings and, um, you know, like you said, you'd, you'd have like an elder would be like, we, we'd we want to do something different or change something. He'd be like, well, you know, like, that's just not going to work because, I mean, there's like all these people. There's all these people. Yeah, everybody says all right. a lot of people. Were, and, a lot of people. So like, right? I, got, I got sick and tired of this because <laughs> I knew what I knew was he led a small group. So I knew that like the 10 people in his small group. We're older, more traditional, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. that's fine. A like, cool deal, man. Right. You know, but you're 10 people, guess what? There's a church of 350, right? I mean, we have a pretty good demographics of age. Right. This isn't like a more old, more young. It's like a pretty solid yeah. base, right? So he'd be like, oh, yeah. And so I'd look at him, I'd be like, what people? Uh,
1: uh, uh, yeah, a lot okay, of them. Name them.
0: <laughs> name them. Just be name myself them. and I. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, see, so, like, what is it? Is it three people? Like, you know, you, you, you Jim and Randy, like whatever, you know, right. like all these people, because, well, that's the small group you meet with and the guys you hang out with during the week. So, you know, all four of you guys think this, and now everybody in the church, like, come on, man, like, let's get real, right? And this goes back to the preference thing. Mm-hmm. What are you pushing for? Are you pushing for what your little group within the church wants? Is it... Is this a doctrinal issue? Is this, you know, like, uh, even if it's not a doctrinal issue, but it's just like a, let's just say a wisdom issue. If you think Mm -hmm. like, hey, if we make this decision, like the church is going to go bankrupt. Like, yeah, sure. You should probably fight that.
1: Or is it just a preference issue? And I'm cool with people having preferences. Sure. And I'm I'm cool with people expressing them to Mm -hmm. me, saying, I don't like, I had somebody recently, you know, I like the pews better. Okay. Okay. Cool. You know, what am I going to do? I guess I'll drive across, find everybody who took him home, yeah. snatch him out Came of their living room, bring him back, throw out the chairs, put the pews <laughs> back in. Because you like to... You know, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, he, he said his piece. And that was it. It was like mm-hmm. I had one time a lady in our church. I was preaching through judges. And you judges, you know, hey, if you want to keep people's attention, just start reading judges. Yeah, man. So I get to the end of the book and... um I guess this lady had her granddaughter with her, who was a middle school, probably young teenager, and she was aghast at what I preached about. She just couldn't believe I preached about it. But she sat on it for like a year. Mm. And she once comes to me and is like, I just want you to know, I didn't like when you preached on that. (laughs) And I was like, okay. okay. Yeah. But, and I regret, I shouldn't have done this, because she's like, I don't think that, you, you know, my granddaughter was there. And so then I was like, okay, now you pushed it a little bit more. And so I just said, does she have a Bible? Yes, I said. Do you want her to read it? <laughs> she said, "Well." I said, "You okay with her reading that?" But Do you want to tell her not to read parts? Yeah. Don't re- skip these books. Yeah, no. Said, okay. We need we need like an abridged version of the Bible. Right. You know? Oh, I you gave probably... her a Bible, right? You expect her to read it. But if I read it in her presence, that's unacceptable. And it, I said, "Look, I'm okay with it. I get it. There's some things in the Bible that I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I got to look at the audience." But I really tried to handle it diplomatically, sure. and I wasn't just gratuitous about it. But she just wanted to feel like she had come to me and confronted mm-hmm. me and let me know that I'm displeased with what you did last year when you preached on that passage. And I'm like,
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. So
1: we're still, we're good, right? Let's move along. There's nothing so, I can do about so it. So I
0: think about this too, like uh, in law enforcement, hmm. right? Sometimes, like I try to tell new people this all the time because new cops, when they get out there, you know, they're. Maybe I've never been in an actual altercation mm. or like a really, like you have a drunk guy who's literally like yelling and screaming at you and you don't know whether he's about to fight you or not, you know, it, your heart rate's gonna go up, right? Absolutely. Now, if you've been through that 15, 20, 100,000 times, you know, you're like, okay, whatever, just another mm. drunk dude, just right. an idiot, you know? But when you first start happening, uh, ha- have that happen to you, it, it can be like, you know, a little intimidating. You're sure. like, oh my gosh, like, I've never been in this situation before. And so I try to teach them that you, there's some of them that will get out and, and they'll meet force with force, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're going to yell at me. You know, oh, you, I'm the cop. You sit out. You know, you, you don't raise your voice at me. Right. It's like, listen, man, you have to understand. Sometimes when you go to a call, right, especially like a domestic, you th- put yourself in their shoes. Like think about living with somebody who you don't get along with, okay? Mm. And you're around them all the time. And you, you're just button heads, button heads, button heads. Like, okay, whatever, whether they're Christians or not. I mean, the point is they're not getting along. So emotions are going to be extremely high. They're not mad at you. They're just mad at the world. They right. hate their life. They hate what they have to go through or whatever that moment is. They're just like super amped up. They need to vent. Like sometimes people just need to vent. I was like, so, you, you know, you have to kind of toe that line a little bit between knowing like when to let somebody vent because I've seen it so many times man people will start up here and you know if you just sit right. there and you're like okay yeah man, come that's, that sounds rough man like I totally understand ooh man that's that's hard to handle like you know like you sympathize or whatever you shake your you just sit there and quiet okay okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know kind of that affirmation or whatever mm. you'll see them you know, and then they're, they, and they'll even tell you, thanks, man, you know, like, appreciate, you know, whatever. Right. They're not mad at you. They're just mad at the world. You got to let them vent. And I understand you got to tow that, like, if you're out at the gas station and they're yelling and screaming and throwing bottles. you know, like, Hey, man, like, we got women and children around, like, sure. we're in public, like, I understand you got to vent, but, you know, bring it down. So in the church, people, sometimes you just got to let people vent,
1: you yeah. know, like,
0: you can't take it personally.
1: That's a hard one for me. I just, I know, confessional time. Hey. Uh, it's that I know it's a quiet answer, a soft answer turns away turns away a wrath. And I try to do that, but every once in a while, it's just it's hard. <sighs> mm-hmm. I had a, a lady, and, and this, she had a. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. She actually had an issue, like a a, a mental issue of some sort. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, but uh, she came out to me after I'd preach in the hallways, bunch of people stand around. She comes up to me, and goes, "Can you stop?" can you stop talking about sports? And I said nothing about sports. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while I might mention that, but yeah. I said nothing about sports. And I just said, yes, ma'am. Okay. And she was, and she didn't know what to do. And yeah. then she just stormed away. And I'm like, and the best part was the people around me were just like jaw-dropped stunned. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that? Yeah, what <laughs> that was, was over just the happened? top. What happened there? You know, let's so have a running joke with one guy. You know, like, what if I preach about sports? But it just... You never know. I mean, you would have to—usually yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's not helpful to try to come back force to force in that situation. I mean, it's nothing threatening what's going to happen to me. Yeah, right. He's going to holler at me and leave, and okay. that's good. It's yeah. happened before, but it yeah. does happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in the church, like, the biggest thing you have to worry about is just kind of the, the management of the morale, maybe of, like, right. the the corporate church— so you don't want to just blow people off and be like, you know, get over it. I'll do what I want. Right. Like people aren't going to respect that sort of
1: a leader. No. Not at all. No. It you sounds know? cool. When you're like, oh yeah. I'm doing, yeah. You know. I told but her it doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, you need to. I think that whole you know listening to be heard, hear the personnel, let them sure. it, Let it. Let them dial it down. Mm-hmm. Don't take it personally, which is hard, especially if they make it personal. Yeah. But uh, well, you know,
0: this is another thing too. Um, you know, as far as like getting into the church. This is why I think God in His wisdom had it set up, kind of that checks and balances, elders and, and evangelists. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of got that that leadership checks and balance thing because it's important, especially when you're making bigger decisions in the church, not to have it just fall on one person. Yeah. Right? Because if it goes bad... Right. Then it all falls on that one person. Yes. But if But if you can say, hey, you know, us as like the six leaders of this church, we sat down, maybe like whatever it is, like, it's not our expertise on something. So we looked at people in the church who had an expertise in that topic, and we talked to them before we made our decision. You know, we did research, we did this. Like, sometimes you can't foresee everything, mm-hmm. right? You, like, you can't tell the future. So a decision might go bad or might go a little wary, but you still, when you, when you look back on it, you know, t- hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You still might say, well, I mean, what else was I supposed to do there? Right, You're like I, you know, I can't
1: mitigate every variable in I that try, situation. I overthink like a champ. Right? Yeah, drive myself crazy. I, that's why I'm glad I'm not in some kind of faith tradition where I'm the grand poobah. I don't want that job. What do they call that? The paralysis of analysis? Yes, I have it. And I, what I, what I, what I have learned over the years is sometimes when I, when I meet with other guys and bounce things off of people, I'm like, oh, wow, Mm-hmm. oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I would have done something really stupid if we didn't have a conversation. There's, there's, there's wisdom in that. There's safety in many counselors. It's like, you know, bounce it off of people. Find out. Let other people share that with you. And there's arrogance
0: in the concept that like, oh, well, you know, I'm the leader here. I'll make that decision. Yeah, right. I'm you the know? guy. Right? Yeah. I'm the alpha. I was just thinking about, you know, shower thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was, I don't know why. It's just like one of those shower thought moments I had the other day when I was thinking about um, some of the guys in the Old Testament, like when you read, like when the Kings came along mm-hmm. in Israel's history. And you think about the good kings and the bad kings. And I'm like, you know, it'd be cool to like have a sermon about the um, the unknown leaders during that time. And I don't mean like kind of like the lesser known. I mean like the ones that aren't named. So you're clearly kind of implying or reading in, but like, okay, so you got a bad king. Well, what about the counselors? What mm-hmm. about the priests during that time? What about the elders of Israel during that time? Like, where were they? Where were the prophets at? Like, you know, who's mm-hmm. standing up and talking against him? And so, clearly, in the Old Testament, like, yeah, you had kings who might become more totalitarian than others, but the system was still where they had counselors, they had the priest, they right. had elders of the tribes, Whatever, like, there was still a checks and balances if they wanted it, and probably even, like, they had it, but they could, you know, they could trumpet, back, like, well, I'm the king, I'll do what I want. Right. But But, you know, the concept there is, like, Okay, so all the all the the weight falls on that guy for you know Israel going bad at this moment. But what about everybody else? Like, what were they doing to stop him? Because it's not like one person has all the power. Like, clearly, sure. how many kings got assassinated? <laughs> you know, because like they just went so bad that people were like, all right, yeah, we can't have right. this anymore. We're just gonna take him <laughs> out. You know, <laughs> That's put a rough some job. New, put some new king in. So, like, you know, as as a as a man getting into ministry. You can't think that you know everything's gonna just gonna be you, you know. Like that's yeah. not the way God set it up because we're all infallible, or we're not. We're all fallible. We're not infallible. So you can't have that arrogance. For I sure. guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, and if if you do, if you have any sense, you'll learn to be humble over time because you'll make enough mistakes. You'll be like, Whoa. <laughs>
0: yeah. So if you're gonna get into ministry, let me tell you what right now: do not have thin skin. Yeah. Whatever you need to do right now, if you have thin skin. You need to work on getting the friends that you have around you to pick on you right now, mm-hmm. to thicken that skin up, to make it more like leather. Because if you come
1: in with paper th- paper thin skin, man, you're gonna burn out. You're, you're absolutely right. When I first uh, told my home church that I wanted to go into ministry, the preacher there at the time told me basically what you just said, and I'm you know I'm like, oh yeah, okay, whatever, yeah, you know, because I I had no idea. <laughs> and then you're like. He was on point, as you are yeah. right now. That's exactly true. Uh, you do have to thicken that skin up a little bit, toughen up. People love, and I mean, I guess this is leadership in general, but people always criticize a leader's decision. I think in the church, too, people feel sometimes empowered. Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of safe. Like if you go with your boss, like at the shipyard yeah. or military or, oh, you know, yeah. the department, you the might get fired, but what's going to happen if you go with me, right, you know? I mean, it's like you can say what you want to say, and then people feel like... And I, that, and I I say that, you know, because maybe somebody from Olivet's watching right now. They're like, That's what, true. man? man. No, I, I really don't have a lot of that. I have in the past at different times in mm-hmm. different places it happens where people feel like they can just say whatever. But um, I, I so you really do need the thick skin because we don't have that, you know, it's like I can fire, okay, you're fired. You can't come back to church next Sunday. I mean, that doesn't happen.
0: This is one of the things that I talked about um, I can't remember who I was talking to. We were just talking about leadership in general. I said, mm-hmm. if you think about it, you know, the guys who are leaders in in like a church, And I mean, I know there's other nonprofit organizations, volunteers and stuff like that, but that's my experience at church is that it's a harder way to lead than if you're a leader like in the military or something like that. Yeah. Because you could pull rank. Absolutely. Right? You could be like, okay, I heard you. Now keep your mouth shut and do your job. Right. You know, I'm tired of it. Like we're done. Conversation's over. Try that in a church. Right. Watch that membership go down.
1: Exactly. You
0: know, and and, and I mean, but it's
1: true though, and, it, and you shouldn't do that. I mean, that's not right. the Bible says we don't lord it over. Exactly. You, know, you need to be people. savvy, man. You have to you have to hear people out. You have to lovingly lead. You got to mm-hmm. try to see their concerns because maybe you are making a mistake. Absolutely. I mean, I've done dumb things a couple three times, or
0: more. a couple three times <laughs> that day. I know of.
1: I've done a few that I'm willing to admit. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, so backtracking a little bit. Yeah. So you um you were over at Seaford, right? You did that transition into being the minister. How long were
1: you there before you, after that you went to the house church, right? Yeah. What happened was, um, <laughs> in my young, uh, arrogant and ignorant phase, I was kind of dissatisfied with the direction of where we were going. And so mm-hmm. I just made it publicly known that like, Hey, look, we need to either, we were growing. We had, uh, financially we were booming. We had done everything from, you know, getting a new sound system to parking lots, to carpet, to new church, I mean, everything. You know, yeah. I was like, we got to do either. We need to, to go multiple services. We need to move. We need to add on. We need to start a new church. And I said, I think we should start a new church. And essentially, they said, maybe you should start a new church. Mm. So that's how it happened. All right. Which in hindsight, it worked out well because it forced me to do something that I probably wouldn't have done. You know, I'd always talked about, yeah. we got to start a new church, but you know, I don't know if I can do that. And that pushed me into a situation where I had to get a job, a secular job, because those in ministry don't actually work. You know. Yeah, that, that's and, right. And, uh, Only on Sundays. Uh, I was down there throwing boxes with this, with this company, unloading trucks, and that moved me into. I, I didn't want to be the guy who's going to go down the street and we we're going to start a new church next week and we're going to split. So I said, "Look, I'm just going to go off the radar for a while. I'm going to do my thing." And I met with uh, five of us together, five guys, and we said. Let's just let's just start putting our money into a bank account that we would normally give on Sundays. Sure. And we started doing that and about 9 months later we started all started a church and uh, that's how that went down. It's actually not a bad. I never thought about it like that, right? Like you know, I, I mean clearly
0: we have really good organizations now. I think I I really like what the church is doing. Uh, the brotherhood's doing whatever you want to call it um, mm-hmm. in a larger scope, where like we've created organizations like Waypoint. So sure. if you you know if you're listening to this podcast, you never heard of Waypoint. You're in this kind of mid Atlantic area. Look up Waypoint. Um, is it Church Partners? Church Partners. Waypoint Church Partners. Awesome. Formerly
1: known as. The Virginia Evangelizing Fellowship, VEF. Yeah, the VEF. I was on the board for a couple of years. They were desperate, and uh, I'm not on now, but anyway, my turn's up. (laughs)
0: So, you know, so, like, they are uh, a group that helps um, struggling churches, like, you know, kind of revamp, if you can Mm -hmm. revamp. I know that I've partnered with them on many occasions to, like, go fill in, preach at places um, Mm -hmm. that either, like, the minister's retiring or, like, this guy's going to take a church out in Texas so this church isn't going to need somebody, so that way they're not forced to hurry up and hire somebody. You know, so, like, I spent the past couple years doing that, um, you know, preaching at different churches and helping them out through transitions. Um, So, you know, what, like, it's, like, what a great concept to think about. Like, if you don't have that option, maybe you don't have an organization who can back you financially. But you have a couple of solid guys and you go, look, man, here's a dream. Here's a vision we have. Yeah. And you take a couple, you know, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years and you just start putting money away. Yeah. You know, and then that
1: way when you get started, you're not like paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, we went, we, we started, uh, we rented a school. Hmm. We uh, advertised on about five local radio stations. Yeah. We bought some sound equipment, printed up some stuff and we just kicked it off.
0: Because in that way, like if, like, let's say it would have flopped.
1: Right. Let's just say like you guys did it for
0: six months and it's just like, yeah, we started with six and now we're at nine. Yeah. You know, like we're not yeah. is it whatever we're doing, it's not working. Maybe you guys are just like, you know what, this isn't cutting it. I want to go back to whatever church I was going to, whatever. You know, you're not like, oh, man, we're fronting this like with our with our grocery money. Sure. You know, you could say, look, we you know, we made an investment to the Lord, our tithe. We were putting in a bank account and we used that up. And whatever we did, right, wrong, or indifferent, like we learned from it, but it didn't work. Well, we can kind of cash in our chips and and go try something else. And you're not like, you know, having to second mortgage your house because
1: you made some really bad decisions. I'm a big fan of what Waypoint does, but I think there's room uh, for other approaches. I think Mm -hmm. more the merrier. If we can get more sound churches going, however, you know, I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see that happen. And uh, for us, you know, it worked uh, and ultimately ended up in a merger. Just because we were bouncing around, we were working with a school that kind of closed. We were trying to find a location. So, we, how long were you in this house church? Uh, well, we weren't meeting house; we were meeting in schools, and we oh, had yeah. we we were probably running like 150 people. Um, wow, uh, we had gro- we had grown pretty pretty strongly. And uh, you gosh, started with think. six. Well, it was it was five families, but by the time we launched, we were way over probably a hundred that first week, and uh, we had some. I think it was due to the really cool radio ads. Not, I've always been on so radio so fan. for
0: those who don't know. <laughs>
1: Dave Willis, yeah, used to be radio jockey, right? No, I mean, I, I sold advertising and pretended I got there to say a couple of things, a couple of commercials. But I had a, I grew up a lot sitting in my room listening to radio mm-hmm. and through the radio, and I, being a DJ was like my uh, dream job until yeah. I got behind the curtain and saw that now with sort of these grand conglomerates of, uh, radio everywhere. Everybody does the same thing everywhere. The same voices, the same, you just yeah. push, but you know, it wasn't like the old days when DJs were spinning records and hanging yeah, yeah, out yeah. and having a good time. So. so,
0: so give me the, give me the, um, Dave Willis DJ of Olivet Christian church. Give me a little snippet of what, you know, they they
1: is. say I have that when I, sometimes I'll read, it. I'll be like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they're like, Hey, you're using your radio voice today. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. But, uh, you know, people, it's like kind of like a radio in a sense, but you're seeing me too. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've always been a guy who, I, listening, I, I love the video, you're, what you do. We were talking about what do we call this, but I listen to you on my phone, on your mm-hmm. podcast on Apple. That's how I do it. So whatever works. And I go through iTunes, but I wa- now I watch you at home on YouTube I'm like, I already heard this, but now I can watch hey. your expression. They're both good, but I like the the portability of the phone and being able yeah. to listen anywhere. But I just have always been a. I used to in college. I would read my study notes into this old thing they used to call as a tape recorder. Oh, yeah, you look this ah. up in the History Channel or something. And I <laughs> and uh, and I would listen to my notes back to myself. So I've always nice. I've always dug that. So me and. Um, me and one of my roommates in college, in Bible
0: college, you know, certain parts when you're like doing like Old Testament survey, you'd have to be like, okay, for this week you have to read Genesis <laughs> like 12 through Genesis 50, and you're yes. like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of chapters. So yes. we would, we he had an audio version of the Bible, ooh, so we would put it on, and you know, the guy's like, and then Jacob yeah. went down to, and you're like, okay, triple speed, yeah, you know, and and so you would be able to sit there in your room and like we would legitimately pay attention because we actually yeah, but it cared. kept the pace. Yeah. It kept the pace. And then like, you you know, I mean, if you're just sitting there reading a book, like sometimes you're like, all right, I'm getting tired, you know, whatever. <laughs> like you wake up three o'clock in the morning, you're like, Oh, i have gone through two chapters. Like, yeah. Oh, man. But you listen to it. And like you said, like nowadays with the smartphone technology and everything, I do this, all the time so we've created like a little home gym in the garage back at my house and you know we've got a little couple pieces of equipment like a stationary bike a row machine pull-up bar things like this so I'll get on stationary bike and that's one thing I'll do man like I'll pull up a YouTube video of something that like legitimately Mm -hmm. like, like I like half the YouTube videos that I watched about how to do a podcast like this on the stationary bike. It's all on YouTube, like everything, right? Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, I'm like, let me you kill two birds. Yeah, let me kill two birds with one stone right mm-hmm. here. You know, let me, I can watch this video and instead of sitting on my couch and watching it, I can get a workout in. Yeah. While watching Time it. Time management, look at that. hmm And then. Efficient. I don't listen to music going down the road. I don't much either. Yeah.
1: No, it's all podcast, man. Yeah. I'm with to you. It. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch. What kind of podcast are you listening to? What do you recommend? Besides yours, of course. Oh, yeah, I listen to my own. Yeah, yeah, after you listen to your own, you got to go do those counts up on the list. Yeah, that's right.
0: What I do is I'll just put it on repeat. (laughs) Just
1: keep viewing it on YouTube over and over. 12,000 views.
0: (laughs) 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 All from the same IP address. Um, So, you know, I don't really care uh, as far as like telling people this. And some people might criticize it. It doesn't matter to me. But I'll be honest, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. Yeah, I do. Too. Like, I really do. I like it. Um, do I agree with everything he has yeah, to say? Of course not. Clearly not. Right. Do I promote that because of the language and some right. of the topics? Like, no. And like, sometimes we'll have a guest on, and like, all they're talking about is smoking weed, and yeah. I'm, and I'm just like, okay, That's click, click, whatever. Right there, right? But yeah, what do you stand on weed? Yeah, or even <laughs> like you know, even like gross things. Right. You know, you're like, okay, like yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't need to hear this. But man, I tell you, like, I love the approach that he has as far as just talking to people and, and just being open,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: to, to, I mean, he has people from Ben Shapiro to, um, Bernie Sanders. Right. I mean, come on, man.
1: That's it. That's range right there. You know? Right.
0: And, uh, and you know, he'll talk to them and he'll, he has no problem disagreeing right. with people because yeah. what does he care? You know, he's I'm got like you. all millions and millions of subscribers and he's like the top three podcast in the world of all Absolutely. time. So it's like clearly whatever he's doing, is working. And I, and I think that his approach of being able to have such a variety of guests on with interesting topics, people who I mean I think his clearly his celebrity status has helped him. Sure. Right? And then being able to get high profile people on because I mean, you know, you get like a state senator on and then you get, you know, a right. US the guest list is impressive. Yeah, you know, and then you get some person who's like uh, you know, um Elon Musk, you know, sure. this guy comes on and Ben Shapiro. Comes, like, clearly, these are big figures who have their own followings. So people are going to watch it. So that, you know, boost his boost his ratings. But I think his approach really helps his ratings because he is he's just willing to talk to you, man. Like, okay, so you're a, you know, you're a Democrat. Okay, you're a Republican. Like, he don't care. He'll, he'll talk mm. to you. He'll disagree. And, and he really does have an open mind. You know, um, but again, do I agree with everything? No,
1: nah, oh, Absolutely not. Nah, nah. Oh.
0: But I like it. I like listening to it because it it helps me to stay objective. Yeah. You know, and and um, do I listen to every episode? No, I don't have time for that. No, neither. Yeah. I listen to um, you know, I've I've watched a lot of videos and and stuff on like the podcasting. You know, just learning how to do this whole thing and doing it professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like Jordan Peterson. You yeah. know, I, I mean, I you know, I like I listen to a lot of audio books. Yeah, that's what I do a lot too. I mean, my audio book
1: list is just yeah. I was doing Audible for a while, and I was like, yeah. eh, I don't know, the math's working out. But I was listening to audiobooks, too. Yeah, do, do you ever? Do you ever like? I got in all these guys like Jordan Peterson. I would mm-hmm. listen, then I would kind of burn out. Yeah, like, I got listen yeah, to him yeah. for a few weeks. And I'm like, then it's like, you want to keep downloading these guys? And nah, ah, I'll come back later. Yeah. I kind of get a, I get my fill, and then I'm like, I move on to somebody else. Yeah, I'm the
0: same way. Uh, I mean, there's not anything that I'm like every week. I gotta have right. this. I gotta mm-hmm. have this. It's it's more of me like the algorithms on YouTube, like go, here's a suggested video. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my, that's alley. exactly. You know, that's cool. how I live every night. It's yeah. like,
1: you want people who watch this, watch this. I'm like, Oh wow. Check oh, that yeah, out. Course, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. about that.
0: Man. Like people have no idea of this sort of, um, effort that you have to put into doing something like this. And there's a whole host of videos about just how to not trick the algorithm, but make it useful for you. Okay. I'm not at that level yet. Yeah. I'm like, listen man, I'm just trying to figure out how to record and you know, get my audio synced up and and I'm not at the level where I'm like Tricking YouTube on making my video have more impressions. Oh, I'm excited like
1: for you, man. Blazing this trail. This is awesome. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um the goal, you
0: know, like I said, I mean, I want people to understand this is, you know, I want to have the concept of examining the evidence, right? So not where we just come on and like, it's just me going, this is what you should believe and this is how you should do ministry or me bringing somebody like you wanting you going, this is the way you do it. I'm always right, you know, but like having yeah. a discussion. Hey, man, where have I succeeded? Where where have I failed? What are things that I am really sure on, and what are things that I'm like? I have an opinion on that, but right. you know, like I'm open. Like you know, I'm fine to kind of talk about things and kind of see the new evidence or see maybe different approaches on how to handle different things. I think clearly, the church is at a, a crossroads right now. Right, mm-hmm. so I was having a discussion with a minister the other day about this. I said, what I see specifically for our brotherhood. I don't know how it is, you know, in the greater Protestant world. Mm -hmm. Um, While I do have, you know, friends and contacts and things like that, so I kind of, you know, keep up to date on the trends for the Protestant world. You know, clearly we're more connected with the Church of Christ, Christian church movement. What I see is you're really having a divergence right now of our churches, where you will have those who just kind of, they were going along you know, on the merry go round and at some point they just stopped and said, like, this is the time, this is the era that we like church. Yeah. And we're good here. You know, and, and makes sense. You know, like if that's what you want to be, kind of my concept was, I guess that's okay as long as you recognize your church is going to be dead in about twenty years. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to continue to be any sort of an effective church if you wanted to do church like you did in the nineties. Yeah. If you read the book by Tom Rainer... The autopsy of a deceased church. No, but I do like Tom Rainer. So anybody who's out there, he, you know, I think, what, what's the, is it Barna Group that he's connected with, or no,
1: he's separate from that. If you just, uh, I'm trying to think of the group he's in. Um, but yes, Tom, but Rainer, Tom Rainer. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've read
0: a couple other of his Bunch books. Of
1: book. And they're usually a lot of the ones he cranks out these days are pretty small and pretty mm-hmm. practical. But that's a good book. That was for us. We did that a few years ago. Some of our folks, we did a book club and read that. And that opens your eyes about when you get locked into a time frame. Mm -hmm. If we could just do it like we did in the old days. I I was one time at a church in Florida. Uh, It was like a Sunday evening service. It must have been 10 people max. Mm. And the preacher was just railing about how we need to get out and call like the old days, door to door. And a lot of churches aren't doing that. And I'm like, dude, it ain't working around. here. Ain't nobody here. What's going on? I'm like... You're longing for something to happen in 1970, and I'm not against whatever, yeah. like, based on what you're... you know, it's not it's the like way. You can to resurrect me. It like the old days and make it go back. Everything I'm a is Christian,
0: changed. man. If somebody came knocking on my door telling me they want to talk to me about Jesus, I'm like, listen, I ain't got time for you. <laughs> like, you need to turn around and walk away. Uh, yeah. You know, like, that's just not the way... I mean, you know what? If it works in your community, right. good for you, man. Right. But I just from my experience, I'm not seeing how that works. Now, yeah. what I do think the next avenue or the next way that churches need to start moving is is having a legitimate online presence. And yeah. what I mean by that is not like, oh, we record our Sunday morning sermon and throw it on YouTube or throw it on right. our Facebook. Like even that's antiquated at this point. You know, sure. like I was talking to um some people the other day, you know, about how this guy approached us when we were in Mar when I was up in Maryland and we just didn't have the money for it. But I thought the idea was fantastic. And he said, you know how like you click on Google maps and you can get the street view. Yeah. You know, and then like, you know, you could see what the storefront looks like and you can double click and it'll shoot you down the road. Yeah, yeah. He said, you can do that for the inside of your church.
1: Hmm. And I was like, really?
0: And he said, yeah, basically it's like a tripod. Right. Yeah. And the little spinny 360 camera kind of takes a million photographs and then puts it together like a little, almost like a little movie.
1: I've seen so, that on real estate websites. but do it at homes. You could do it in a church building. Yeah, so, things.
0: so he said, this was the point he made. Right. And I was like, dude like 100 spot on and he said what is the first place somebody sees your church what's the first experience they have with your church it's online. not and i was like you're so true i mean how many times had i had somebody in my church call me up hey man i'm going to alabama for vacation for you know like two weeks you know you know any good churches down there what mm-hmm. am I doing? Go online. Hold on a second. Let me,
1: you know,
0: I'm researching online. Like, do I know anybody mm-hmm. down there? Oh, here's, you know, the the churches in and around whatever city you're going to be yeah. in. Let me look at their websites.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, and you know, if you look at a website and it looks like it's made of clip art in the 90s, right. you're going to be like, no. nah, man. Like, because <laughs> you just know the sort of church that that's going to be associated with. And exactly. I mean, there might be good people there. Sure. They might have good doctrine. But if you're like, look, man, you're, you know, if you want to go to church of the 70s, Probably, right. okay cool but if you want to go to something maybe a little bit more modern where you would feel like you're living in actually today's reality you know maybe this church over here you know and and you see it's almost like um you take pride in it right so like if somebody pulled up to the church here and they saw your grass was really high and you you know it looks like your shutter or shutters here you, you know your, your your gutters are falling off and you know your roof's caving in they're gonna be like oh, right yeah, i don't know about that but if your building looks nice not saying you have to spend a billion dollars on your building. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a balance there. But if it looks like you actually take professional care of what you're doing, people see that. They
1: notice that. They respect that. Yeah. I I tell our folks, I think you can get caught up, and that's not what we're talking about. Go. If we just get the right color scheme and the right yeah. logo, then the people are going to just come pouring in. The, if we have the right tagline or the the right name, we call mm-hmm. it a really cool name no one's ever heard before. And it's an obscure Hebrew word, and we're going to put – but I'm always about let's remove obstacles. Yeah. You know, what would I do if you came to our home? How would we treat you mm-hmm. if a, a, a you know a grass eight inches tall in the front looks like you don't care? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm gonna you know spend twenty five thousand dollars a week on our PGA golf course level front lawn. Sure, but I don't want it to be a barrier. I want our bathrooms to be clean. Doesn't mean we have to have marble and brass everything, but it's got to be. It, it can't be a barrier. And and what you're talking about online presence, churches need. If they aren't, they need to know that because I have found experience that confirms that exactly what you're saying is that many people I will when I meet them I will say hey how'd you how'd you find us used to be oh well you know Billy's my neighbor he told me to come now I checked you out online Mm -hmm. because if I'm going to go listen to you I want to look and see if these people are crazy or what's going to happen and you can do that now yeah why wouldn't you peek in before you walked in and that's what they do they do it via the online like that peek in before you walk in dude thank you so you could put that on your
0: website. You could be like, "Hey, peek in before you walk yeah, in." Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: So you want, and I think it's legit because, I, like you said, I do this exact same thing. I want to see what it's going to be like. If I'm up here, like you know, juggling snakes and whatever, are people like I ain't going in there. Well, imagine too, like if you
0: if you have kids, right, and like mm-hmm. let's say you like you're looking at a church that's maybe a fairly large size, and you're like, "All right, we want to go there," but how awkward is it to walk in on a Sunday morning and? You're like, okay, well, you know, where do we take our kids? And uh, right. you know, like, what what are they going to be teaching them? And what are the facilities like? You know, is it clean? Is it dirty? Like, right. but if you can go online and you know, on the website, they go, hey, look, you know, hey, let me take you a little virtual tour through our church. And, That's like, awesome. When you come here, your kids are going to go here, and they, just notice our greeters are going to be wearing these sort of you know color clothing, or Smart. maybe they'll have a name badge. So if you have any questions go up to one of them because they are, you know, qualified staff, or here's what our, you know, even the staff members of the church and the elders of the church, when people come, if they have a question, they know, oh, this guy works here. I saw him online, Yeah. right? And then you go, you know, maybe you click on the children's ministry, it's like, hey, everybody has a background check, and, you know, here, let me show you our facilities. You know, Mm. we clean them, we disinfect them, you know, blah, blah, blah. Good stuff. People are going to go, yeah, man,
1: Yeah, this is about this. You know, yeah, you've gone the extra mile, and Mm -hmm. people are going to appreciate that. And yep. they, when they're like, yeah, let's go check this place out. I think, yeah, that's uh, that's great. That's great stuff right there. And
0: you can do it nowadays. I think, um, you know, yeah. Like I said, it was a lot of money. I mean, mm-hmm. what did it look? He showed me a couple of, like things that he'd done for other churches. I'm like, it looks sweet, man. But yeah. it was a lot of money. You know, we we're like, yeah, we don't have the money to spend on that now. But you can do it now if you get, you know, like a little GoPro camera, mm-hmm. or even with your cell phone if you get maybe like a um, a stabilizer for it, so it's not super shaky. Right. You can use most churches have microphones, right? So you hook your microphone up so that way you can get good audio recording. And you get, you know, your your people and staff to make a little video of a walkthrough tour of your Mm. church. Or 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 like a first time guest experience. Hmm. That's good. What to expect. You know? Even like you could even go the extra mile
1: and make like a little comedic video. Yeah. I think it's much better than just usually like you know, people, no perfect people, uh, yeah. you know, they put a, you know, a few sentences, that, what's that? But I know that's, yeah. that's what you want, you want to see it, and yeah. uh, kind of almost experience it vicariously through this video, What's mm-hmm. this going to be like, you're like, hey, that's okay, I can go check, I mean, that's what you do before you go on vacation, right, or you go somewhere else, or you, you know, you're going to go uh, to some resort or something, you want to find out what, it, a resort, like I go to resorts resort. Yeah. To. <laughs> yeah, before I go on the cruise, I always check out the videos.
0: So Chelsea and I are looking to uh, move into the world of possibly getting a camper.
1: Ooh nice
0: yeah so we um this is what i'm doing right like what am i di- been doing online at nighttime right now right. going online rv dealers near me yeah and then i'm clicking on it and i'm going let me see what you're what and you know the ones that have like the information put out there you know or maybe like i know some of them will have like a, a walkthrough video but mm-hmm. they'll actually have a person professionally i mean and you could see them sometimes like in a reflection of a mirror um, where the guy has like a legitimate camera and it's in one of those like professional things where he's holding it like this and it's got the stabilizer. So as he moves, you know, the camera is staying pretty steady. Yeah. So they put money into that, right? And they're walking through the camera or the, the camper and they're showing you like, hey man, here's the fridge. And he, you know, it's better than some blurry videos right. or, or blurry pictures that you see on somebody else's website. Right. And then it's like, well, let me get information about this camper. Oh, it's 29 foot and um, it has an awning. And you're like, great uh, okay you know like i do research so yeah. i'm like well what's the BTUs of the air condition how many propane tanks does it have and what's the size tank of the the gray and black water and you like i need to know this information yeah. before i'm going to drive 45 minutes to come see your camper now if i if you have all that information and i like the camper and i think it's worth it and it's a good deal i'll drive an hour to come get it sure or, or even to check it out
1: you do a little work before you make that trip for sure yeah right so that's the world we live in yeah why, why are churches not understanding that? I think I'm hoping one of the good things coming out of this coronavirus shutdown, at least for us, mm-hmm. it forced us to say, hey, we, we need to really start thinking about our online presence. Yes. And we need to think about it. We're still working on it almost every week. It seems like we're trying to tweak something and make it better. How do we deliver this content mm-hmm. better, more effectively? That's what people are doing. I was one of those guys again. My default was, Well, if we start doing all the online stuff, nobody's going to come on Sunday, they're just going to sit around and watch. And then I thought, We did our first video, and it was like 1200 hits on the video. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, I never had 1200 people come here on a Sunday. <laughs> I'm like, Why would I be against that? Yeah, like, why not? I had people in Germany, like people who were, yeah, Thomas and Madison, they're hey. over in Germany and they were like watching the video. There are people in other states that used to be here. There are people from my own neighborhood, Billy, who are my Facebook friends who somehow are like, Oh, you're online. I'm like, this lady's never, she's watching me on Sunday now, and her kids play with my kids. You know, we played, they played
0: sports together. Why? And you know Why what, not? Maybe it'll take six months of her watching those videos. Sure. And then she'll get to the point where she'll come. Because maybe she'll hear the sermon about the uh, benefit and necessity of having a community, yes. right, of, of people of faith. Or even, you know, if you think about it, sometimes people, maybe just they're, they're so timid from getting into mm-hmm. a new group, and maybe they want to be part of a church, but they want to kind of get to know that church a little bit before they actually get there. Maybe they watch your church online for a couple months. Yeah. You know? Or like, I just something that popped in my head, like, um, what if you move to an area? You're Christian. You're a solid Christian. Like, let's say I moved, right? I moved to Nebraska. Whatever. Okay. What are we going to do? We're going to look up a handful of churches, kind of narrow it down from the online presence, and then we're going to go visit them. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to spend... Because when you make a decision to go to a church, you're like, I mean, this is a big commitment because I'm, I'm wanting to build relationships with people here. I'm wanting to get involved. I'm wanting to help them in their ministry. So I want to make sure that I don't waste my time and energy and effort, right? right. And then like a year and a half, two years from now, I'll go, okay, we got to start all over and go to another church down the road because we didn't know that they, whatever, mm-hmm. right? So what if like I can visit a church on a Sunday, but then during the week, watch the other churches and kind of, you know, speed up that process instead of mm-hmm. like over a four-month period, you know, going to this church for one month, that church for another month, that church, I can do it all in a couple weeks. Yeah. Because I can, you know, and then maybe, like, I go to each church. Like, if I have four churches, I go to one each week, but every week I'm watching all four of them online, so I get a feel for them.
1: Yeah. I think churches need to be careful, too, in, in all of this, is that they don't over-promise and under-deliver. Sometimes we can make our stuff look so Ooh. hype, and then people get there, and they're like, a lot cooler online
0: it's, a, it's like when you yeah, look for a,
1: it's like when you look for a house yeah and they do like the shots of the yeah, room to make yeah. it look
0: like oh this is like a 30 by 30 room and you get there and 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 there's like, like a hole in the wall yeah, you're, you're like what, like, what? i can here. Here. Fit a
1: couch in here yeah it's got the picture you know they see the sun on this side over here it's like this trailer of your neighbor <laughs> you know, no. i didn't see that in the picture wait a second but yeah, yeah and, I, and so I, I we were in florida one time and it was advertising on tv and this is like man i might have seen it. it looks this looks pretty awesome so we thought well let's while we're down here, let's just check it out, maybe on Sunday night, we'll just go to this other one yeah. and check it out. We went there and there was nobody there. There was like seven or eight people. Hmm. And the preacher dude was up there like, I look, I, I, look, you know, I am one, I know it. He was winging it, man. It was yeah. like, whoop! somebody showed up. Then he, he he, was talking to me afterwards and somehow he figured out, I guess I must have been, you know, you go on Sunday night church, you must be a preacher because yeah, what are you right. doing out here in Florida? You should be at like theme park. He's like, oh, if I'd have known that, man, I just had you preach. I was like, great yeah, you know I i'm I like, we'll you kinda, would have if uh-huh. i was living here i wouldn't be coming here man you guys are like you're man it looks great on tv what you get here it's like boy false advertising so you know if you're going to be super friendly and you're going to do all that well, make sure when people get here you're that don't tell them hey we're you know you're welcome here and then don't welcome people I mean, well
0: and i mean too i mean if you if you this might be a, uh, a tom Rayner thing but you know tom Rainer or barner group or you know yeah. some of the any of those books that, that really kind of talk about church statistics and one of the things that i remember learning from that is like Um, people really long for authenticity. Yes. You know, and and like you said, like, okay, you know, you want to portray a certain concept to them, whether it be online or whatever, but you also want to be authentic. And I think that, so that's a benefit of this podcast, right? Like you can get guys who, you know, are in ministry, but you can be authentic, you know? And I mean, I get it. Like, you know, there's some things that we would say off camera that we're not going to say on camera, like anybody's like that, but just being able to talk about the ups and downs of ministry, and, and it's it's authentic, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think that people really long for that because of the fakeness of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, like we spend a time as a culture really just like engulfed in social media. And I mean, it's not going away. I mean, that, it is what it is. But I think people are recognizing the hole that's in them as human beings. Mm-hmm. Most of them aren't Christians, so they don't know and understand that God created us to be part of a... Actual community, they think that community can be built online, right? Only, yeah, yeah. and they, you know, even primarily, and then they,
1: they get to a point where they realize, like, man, it's like so fake. Yeah, it's, it's, I think online is is supplementary, can be helpful, it's not a substitute for yeah. the real thing, but I think you can do both. Uh, I'm with you on the authenticity, and uh, maybe it's somewhat generational. You know, back with the baby boomers, all I heard about coming out of uh, out of Bible college and things that we're reading were. Excellence, excellence. We've got to do everything with excellence. And I get that, but it can almost be kind of manufactured. Yeah. I attended a kind of a mega church not too long ago. I'm not against if 100,000 people on to show up Sunday. I'm welcoming them all, right? Come, come. I'm, I'm not against mega churches. But it was so obvious to me because I sat in the front row because I guess nobody else would. And like, yeah. So I wouldn't sat in the front row. But it was like you and I walk out and it was just the whole thing was scripted. Hey, Billy, what are you doing? Well, you know what, the other day... And, we, and I was like, man, this seems really yeah. phony to me. I'm not saying they were phony. I'm, I'm sure their intent was good. But I was like, this is rehearsed. Yeah. Like we were trying to rehearse the joke. And back, and it was just like, I don't know, man. Like I would rather see you come out and stumble over almost something. almost like a or skit note. rather than Yeah, just yeah it was like, yeah. like a skit. I'm like, is this... You, oh, wait a minute. This is supposed to be real. Because I thought you were pretending, which is what you're doing. Yeah, And I don't know, man. Uh, for me... I, we talked about that here. We want to deliver what we're doing, our content well, but we want to—we don't want to have it so dialed in and so rehearsed that it comes mm-hmm. off as like a performance. So and here's a saying that I had
0: because I was kind of fighting that same battle. I think any church who's trying to grow now is fighting this battle, right? I always said we want to be professional, not performers. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, and and
1: that's a fine balance.
0: Like I get it. It's a—it's a line, right? Yeah. It's, don't come out here a,
1: flying by the seat of your pants, not prepared, mm-hmm. you know, uh, stumbling through everything. Under the guise that I'm being real. No, no, you're being unprepared is what you are. Yes. But, yeah, the other extreme is not good either.
0: So parting words of wisdom from Dave Willis, a preacher at Olivet Christian Church here in Newport News. Uh, Be like the wise man, build your house upon the rock. I like it. Hear the words of Jesus, put them into practice. So constantly, if you're getting into ministry, right, if you're talking to some young man who's thinking about, like, man, what's it going to be like, just remember, always keep the focus on the Bible. Yes, sir. Be humble. Definitely be humble because you got to realize like you're going to learn not only theologically, but you're also going to learn the practical wisdom of how all these theological concepts
1: really like when the rubber meets the road. Don't don't try to have it all figured out when you start. Mm. It's a process, man. You yeah, man. learn. I, I'm not excusing ignorance, but ignorance is real. You know, we all are ignorant. And so continue to grow. Sometimes you know you're 25 and you want. I want. It's like you know. A lot of guys get out of Bible college.
0: You know that that mid twenties or whatever, mm-hmm. early twenties, and they have that idealism. I know I did. Man, I'm on fire. Yeah. I got all this knowledge now, which, by the way, I had no right. knowledge. You realize now, like now being almost 36, Good. I look back to that guy. I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. Like, sh- just, <laughs> just keep your mouth show, You didn't know anything, <laughs> like you know. But you do. You get out, and you're just like, all yeah. right, let's go. I'm about yeah. to. I'm about to have a first century
1: revival. Yeah, you know? like I'm going to do A B C D, and it's just going to. Whoa. Whoa. You know? and then you
0: spend like 10 years learning that you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. They're like, man, I could go back. I go,
1: you're find, find an old sermon outline or something, man, I wish I could, you know, but you're learning, you're growing. So just keep, keep yeah, have moving. you ever done that? Like yes. I've looked at some old sermons yes. and I'm like, <laughs>
0: I remember writing that and preaching that and uh, thinking like, I'm like Billy Graham right now. Like, bro, I should have forty thousand people here like raising their hands, coming to the baptism waters, yeah. like let's go. Convert the and I look back at it now and I'm like, oh yeah. that's so bad. Like oh, yeah. I used to do that. Goofy, sermon.
1: goofy stuff, man. But we all we all live and learn, man. Keep moving forward.
0: I like it. I like it. Hey Dave, thanks so much, man, for joining us. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, thank you. All right, man. Hey, first guest will always be you. That's me. Also,
1: thank you. Uh,